G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Robert Shaw. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. This is the Round 13 Review, or part Round 13 Review, as we record there's still one game left to play. That is the big Queen's Birthday Monday clash between Collingwood and Melbourne. Never fear, we will have a full wrap-up of that game in our next podcast, but we are determined to keep bringing you these podcasts as a wrap-up of the weekend. So we're sticking with that format. We'll be talking about the five games played thus far. It's a bit of a a marathon journey round 13. Started off on Thursday evening, doesn't conclude until Monday evening. Six games played across five days. Some good footy in there, though. Uh, As usual, we are proudly brought to you by Palmerbet. Uh, get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season, thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. As I say, a big hello to my footyology co-host, Mr. Robert Shaw. How are you, Shorey? Good evening, Rowan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, we, we've had a spread-out round. so Yes, and um, it will continue, doesn't it? Well, yeah, Queen's Birthday Monday is a big one, but some interesting results in there. Obviously, big test in Melbourne tomorrow, but... Uh, uh, good uh, hard-fought wins by uh, Brisbane and Freo to maintain their spots in the upper echelons of the ladder and some other more predictable results, which we'll get to later. What was your highlight of the weekend thus far? Um, I really enjoyed watching the um, the Hawthorne-Fremantle game. Um, I think we were on the mark with Hawthorne again. They... Yeah. they uh, they continue to uh, show why we backed them a little bit, but uh, Fremantle at home, uh, a, a good solid win. Yeah, I, I liked that game a lot. That was the best for me. And uh, Andy Brayshaw continues to uh, dominate the midfield. And uh, we've got to talk about uh, uh, the the Nate Fife comeback. Yes. Yes. Which I found quite interesting, and we will discuss it during the game. You've raised this with the West Coast Eagles when they brought the three players back and went backwards. I I, I wonder why he started in the centre square, and I even wonder more why that would force Will Brody to the bench as the recruit of the year, and why. Anyway... Well, Interesting observation. I look forward to your considered thoughts on that when we get to that game. But uh, we go back to Thursday night to do those games chronologically. Let's get into it. On Footyology, wrap around. Well, round 13 kicked off on Thursday evening at the MCG between Richmond and Port Adelaide and a good win to the Tigers in the finish. By, well, when I say good win, uh, important win, not a uh, conclusive win, 12 points 
the final margin, the final scores, Richmond 11-11-77, defeating Port Adelaide 10-5-65. The goal kickers for the Tigers, well, uh, equal leading goal kicker for them was the first gamer, Mr. Clark, Judson Clark, uh, who also stepped into a very elite club by um, kicking a goal not just with his first kick, but his first two kicks. The he joins the illustrious <laughs> two kicks, two goals club. I'm not which sure in, how... which includes. Oh, geez, I don't know. Are you going <laughs> to give me a name? No, I, I I saw it and I didn't write it down. Oh, I'm okay. sorry, mate. I I thought you'd have it right there. No, you, well, I, I, <laughs> I thought of Daniel Metropolis, the West Coast. I think he was four. Goals with his first four kicks. Wow, possibly even five. But uh, yeah, no, the two, the two kicks, two goals club eludes me. But uh, I might look that up if I get a bit of time later. Anyway, good, good. De- debut by Judson Clark. He kicked two goals. Dusty Martin two goals. Singles the rest for the Tigers, and for Port just the one multiple goal kicker that was Todd Marshall with three goals. Well almost threatened to do what they did against the Swans, Richmond, because they had a pretty handy lead, 26 points at one stage in the second quarter, yet the power kept coming and actually got their noses in front after a goal from Sam Powell Pepper early in a uh, a seesawing last quarter. Uh, Josh Gibkiss restored Richmond's lead. Uh, Shay Bolton, boy, did he have a an off night on the radar. Also tried to do a bit too much too. Connor Rosie kept Port a winning chance. In the end, though, um, uh, Richmond closing it out and getting away with a very important 12-point win, which uh, obviously keeps them in the top eight and very much alive. Geez, the Port's still alive, though. It's a pretty – the consequences of that loss pretty dire for them. They are now down to 12th. Their record is 5-7, and they are two games outside the eight. In fact, um, as we record this, if Collingwood uh, beats Melbourne, in fact, they'll be three games outside the eight and just about good night, Nurse. Uh, interesting game, though, Shuri. Not necessarily a top-quality game, but an intriguing game. Did you think? Yeah, it was, yeah I just put a really tough game, a, a hard-to-win um, once again, you, uh, just going over what you summarised, but it's a significant point that um, the Tigers have a bit of a habit of squandering early leads. They, um, they were behind and then they were able to turn on, uh, turn up the, uh, the the rating and kick those five majors in a, in a row. What I found interesting that we talked about on uh, Wednesday was the, the lack, lack of traditional ruckman it, it didn't work out as we thought, Rowan. Of course, there was a hit-out discrepancy between Nan Curvis and Finlayson of 42 to 18, but the clearances went 39-30 to Port Adelaide, and they also won the 13. They also won the centre clearances 13-9. So they did very well in the in the old parlance to read Nan Curvis's taps. Well, just on, just on that yeah. quickly, there's another game this weekend uh, in which I want to talk about exactly that too because it, it's, it's stats like that uh, make you wonder just how important the hitouts actually are. That's a uh, it's a very good article that Rowan. Um, just just another critical team issue was the Tigers were far more efficient. Um, they had um, 
the, the Port Adelaide had more possessions. They had 378 possessions for only 48 inside 50s, while Richmond had a significant less, 345, but gave themselves more opportunities to score with uh, 64 inside 50s. Uh, just a, a far more efficient ball moving pattern. Well done to Judson Clark. It was a big, it was a big call, Rowan, on oh from outside the club to drop uh, Castagna and Rioli to play a first gamer in, as you said, a significantly important game for two for both sides. Um, what a terrific start for the young fella! Very nice, efficient left foot kick. Never looked like missing. No. Also, uh, you mentioned the the low. For the disposals, the low uh, inside 50 count for Port. But what inside 50s they did generate, geez, the quality of them was pretty poor too. In fact, the, I've got to say, the skill level in this game left a lot to be desired, didn't it? Probably capped off with Shea Bolton missing that open goal or, or potential match-winning goal with a, bit, a, a minute or so left. And, um, yeah, geez, guys couldn't hit targets. They routinely turned it over inside 50. I don't, know, I don't know. Are we getting to that stage of a season where it's cold and damp and and it's really hard to get inspired or play <laughs> play attractive sort of no, footy? I, I, no, I think you're right. I think we've seen a number of games influenced by uh, by conditions, not not the type of conditions that I played in, mud and rain, um, and uh, very very tacky uh, centre squares, but very difficult conditions. Um, rain. The grounds are so good, Rowan, that if you get due, if you get rain, it becomes very, very difficult to handle these footballs. Uh, a couple of um, shout-outs to one in particular to Liam Baker, who uh, I think a lot of people had him probably close to, if not best on ground for the Tigers. He ended up with 26 disposals. Uh, Dion Prestia playing some really good footy for Richmond again. He had 25 six clearances and 12 contested possessions. I guess if there's a, a good thing out of this to Richmond, well, you mentioned one, they were able to drop uh, Castagna and Rioli and play a debutante and uh, he acquitted himself well. Dustin Martin, pretty quiet, only yeah. 13 disposals. So, you know, so the big guns and, and Bolton, look, Bolton got his hands on the footy a lot, but I'm just a little bit worried about him, whether he's trying to, do it all himself now. He just got a little well, bit selfish on occasions. Well, yeah, it's interesting, um, a mindset for him. I read that with interest on uh, the footyology tweet that you put out, Izzy, and it wasn't – you weren't canning him. It was a really good observation. To me, he's clean He's a, and he's efficient. He wins the ball. Uh, he might take one bloke on, but then he's – but he's trying to do – instead of doing the one-two act, clean delivery – Evade, straighten up, find an opponent. He's trying to. I, I don't think it's deliberate. He's inadvertently adding, trying to add another two or three things, strings to the bow, and and, and making himself uh, rather inefficient now. Yeah, I, I wonder. I'm sure it's uh, been pointed out to him, or will be pointed out to him. Anyway, the upshot is Richmond uh, continuing to uh, hold their ground, uh, if you like. And as we record this, at least, they are inside the eight. Not so Port, who are five and seven and ten games to go. Well, they're going to have to win, not only win seven of that last ten games, but they're going to have to rely on at least three teams above them 
to fall over. So mm. I reckon uh, starting to look pretty dubious for the power. Um, I just got one small point, Ron, yeah, before yeah, you yep. summarise it up. Um, young Gibskis is a, a very good case in point, a, a little bit like Reed at Essendon. He's getting some significantly big matchups. Um, he had Franklin for a while. He had Todd Marshall, who was good for him. But um, on both these occasions, uh, Hardwick has quickly realised his opponent was on top and he's thrown him forward. So he's got this, and he has kicked goals. He kicked one up at the SCG. He kicked one in this game. So I reckon um, it hasn't been to the detriment of the kid, nor greatly to the team, that um, they're using him this way. They would they're throwing him the big challenge, but they're quite happy then to move him up and throw him forward with with the the odd good result. Yeah, no, it's a good point, and uh, well, one of the reasons they can do that is because he's a lovely kick of the football. And um, as we're seeing more and more, there's not that necessarily that many guys playing AFL footy who are really beautiful kicks of the footy. I reckon this guy is. Um, so they can throw him forward and know that if he gets a shot at goal, there's a fair chance he's going to convert. Um, all right. What is on the agenda for these yeah. two? Well, a couple of big challenges for the Tigers. A Thursday night game against Carlton. 7.20pm next Thursday evening. That should be an absolute beauty. And uh, ditto Port, a big challenge for them on Saturday afternoon at home, 1.45pm Eastern time, taking on Sydney. And, uh, well, if they don't win, it could just about be good night Port as far as the finals go. So two massive games for both those clubs next week in uh, round 14. That was Thursday Night Footy. Let's talk about Friday night. Well, Friday night uh, clash of traditional and bitter rivals, Essen and Carlton. Uh, this was the 150th birthday celebration game for the Bombers. Uh, lots of uh, build-up to it. The pre-game stuff uh, done pretty well. Uh, unfortunately for the Bombers, didn't translate into a win. In fact, it was um, a bit more of what they've served up the last few weeks, competitive enough, but never really threatening to win. And uh, got to say, playing a pretty tedious brand of footy. Carlton, uh, look, got to say, not overly impressive necessarily, but did enough to get the job done. The final scores in this one 12 8 80. Essendon, 7 12 54. The goal kickers to the Blues, three to Mackay. Two to Kurnow, two to Oe singles the rest. The only multiple for Essendon, Harry Jones, oh, sorry, Jones two and Draper also kicked two. Uh, a late change to the Bombers and a costly absentee, Andy McGrath, missed with a groin injury. He was replaced by Tom Cutler. The crowd, well, a lot of speculation about what the crowd might be. Pretty reasonable crowd, I guess, given the conditions, 65,000. 440 um, with their Essendon hats on though, Rob. You've got to be disappointed by the fact that the highlight for the Bombers all happened before the game even started, and that was the ceremonial stuff out on the ground. Yeah, it started at um, Federation Square, around about 4.30, and they interviewed quite a number of the 62-65 team, which is a, a very, very good touch. I, I, I think it was really well done. Uh, I enjoyed it. I have an observation, folks. I stress an observation, not a criticism. 
Um, it was very um, 84 onwards, apart from the uh, fantastic uh, gesture of having Huey Mitchell uh, toss the coin in the middle. So that always raises questions. It certainly has on Twitter from reading it, you know. Um, is it the Kevin Sheedy Football Club, I guess, is what people are well, saying? Well, that's what people were saying. We're not saying that because we know that. Uh, but yeah, people are saying that. I, my only observation is, um, uh, you know, because they're my heroes when I was a kid, um, I would have liked to have seen um, part of the 62, 65. There's a lot of them still very, very fit that could have been on the ground. And also I think one of the greatest touches um, – would have been the Coleman and Reynolds, uh, the descendants of Dick Reynolds and John Coleman being on the ground. That would have, I thought it was a 9 out of 10. That would have given it a 10 out of 10 for me. All right, let's talk about the game. Um, you know what struck me most about this game was we a lot was made of Dyson Heppel's pre-match rev up to the troops in front of those other greats of the club and interesting pictures and some people thought it was pretty stirring and, how could that not fire you up? Well, okay, here's where I get critical. If that was going to fire him up, you couldn't have had a first minute of that game as unfolded, which was Carlton basically strolled from its defence up forward, Jack Martin in acres of space, kicked the first goal of the game for the Blues in under a minute, and in fact Carlton kicked the first three goals of the game before anyone had batted an eyelid and I, I must say, I saw that and I thought, well, that proves the sort of impact that all that pregame stuff's had on Essendon, isn't it? Which is zilch. It had it zero it, impact. It raises the, the focus, not on Essendon. This is right across the board. It raises focuses on uh, distraction due to milestone. I'd love to go back over the records and look at not only uh, the Essendon club, but, um, you know, the, the, these wonderful milestones that are celebrated and then these footy clubs come out and, and give nothing wrong. That was an extraordinary passage of play and I don't know where, I don't know how they got caught, but he, he was inside 50 and he was 25 metres clear. So I don't know in the crossover of opponents or they got lost, but um, look, talking about that end of the ground, we'll get on to the tic-tacs of it. Um, Essendon got an issue in conditions, Rowan. And that is, issue is the importance of Peter Wright. Peter Wright has to be very – he's been terrific. Oh, sorry, he's been good. Um, he's been very good at Marvel and he'll play well this week against St Kilda. His performances in conditions uh, that aren't conducive to Mark Kick have been, uh, have been pretty ordinary. He hasn't kicked a goal since round nine. His last three games have been zero, zero, zero. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the point I was going to make. Contrast in all areas of the ground. So you mentioned Peter Wright. What have Carlton got in contrast? They've got two guys in Mackay and Kurnow, both of whom were threatening, who managed five goals between them in difficult, wet conditions. That was a pretty reasonable effort. You've got an undermanned midfield. Now, one plus arrest, and Dylan Shield, easily his best game this season. He ended up with 27 touches. He had 10 tackles too, so it was a much better defensive game from him. But whilst they've got that, Carlton has, even without Adam Chera, 
Uh, George Hewitt, 28 disposals. Paddy Cripps, 28 disposals. Sam Walsh, 29 disposals. And then out of defence, Essendon, generating no zero attack off its half-back line. Carlton, however, in contrast, has Sam, Sam Doherty, who was outstanding, 33 disposals, charging off half-back and created countless attacks for them. They were just better in every part of the ground. Well, they were a better team, and and they always they didn't do it with a, a leg in the air. But you're right about uh, Doherty. I thought without Williams that they may have used a defensive forward on Adam Saad. But I reckon going over history, I can remember two or three games, even post his knee operations, where Sam Doherty would queue up against Essendon as that reliable intercept halfback. Um, I thought when they lost. Uh, when Carlton lost Sarah, the really quick reaction, okay, one of their premier prime movers is off the ground. Let's let's nail Walsh. Let's nail Walsh. But they, they didn't. They stuck to their system. Um, the second half just dragged out, Rowan. Uh, I know all the teams have to start with 6-6-6, but after that, um, Essendon would revert to basically a 15-man defence and really try and... Uh, curtail the scoring and and keep keep the ball away from the two big blokes and and that's why that game went the way it did in the end. Okay, so that, that I want to be critical of this, right? If Essendon are genuinely trying to build something for the future, right? Why are you playing footy like that? I'd rather they lose by ten goals, having a crack at actually scoring, than lose by twenty six points and deliver a performance that literally makes you fall asleep. I mean, it's very clear being there that that was was the, um, you saw it, you know. This is is what's happened the last three games against Richmond, against Port, against Carlton. They haven't been blown off the park, but they have at no stage look like winning the game. Now, how is that developing for the What's the word called when you, um, I'll I'll just keep talking. Yeah, it it defies the the philosophy and the logic of what they're talking about. Of course it Um, does. If we're third bottom and everyone's accepted from the president right down to us that, okay, we're we're playing young team and we're playing a development team, I I don't know where the development of 16 behind the ball is, Rowan, and players getting into the middle field looking up and there's no one there. Don't (laughs) don't lose honourably. Get beaten by... 15 goals teaching these kids how to play on Paddy Cripps or how to, you know, I, I like the fact that Reed um, has has a crack at Mackay. That's it, development. It, it, it achieves nothing. It achieves no, nothing. It's, anyway. it's, a, it's a horrible, boring way of playing footy. It saps the enthusiasm of the players, not to mention the fan base who have just absolutely had enough of watching this Don't garbage play for week after week. Don't play for survive. It's but survival. But you know what? Just, yeah. Can I just make a point? Without delving into the politics again, you just said, or well, for all accepted that, well, they haven't robbed because the president of the club came out in radio a week ago and said, I believe that we can win a premiership within three years. Well, I'm here to tell you, Paul Brescia, this, the way it's going now, they cannot win a premiership in three years. And if you honestly believe that, which I don't think you do, you are absolutely and utterly delusional. Anyway, um, so next week, Rowan. <laughs> I, I, I like Carlton. They lost Sarah. They didn't have Williams. They didn't have their Ruckman. I think and they it's didn't Chera. Have Chera. 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 Yeah. And they didn't have Wietering. And uh, they, they got a, a little bit, not luck, good management to get Mackay back. 
Um, remember, I tipped I tipped Essendon. You did to win narrowly based on the fact that uh, I thought Carlton would have too many players out, but they got Martin Kennedy and uh, Mackay back, which was very very important ins for them. I'm not excusing my tip. Uh, they they got those and, and and Kennedy's a very very good player and they still got the drive they required through Sard and um, your man Doherty, Rowan. No, their so, depth, uh, yeah. their, their depth has improved a lot and is now pretty reasonable, I'd suggest. And I reckon ultimately, you know, people will say uh, it wasn't a great win and they struggled and they did, but I think wins like that are good for them too. I think they need some scrappy, ugly get the job done wins as well as some, you know, sort of more daring, barnstorming, you know, big triumphant wins. You've got to win in all conditions and in all manners uh, and against all sorts of opponent. And I think it was a scrappy win, but they all add up. And uh, the Blues, well, riding high as a result in fourth place at 9-3 after 12 games. The other mob, well, they're in 16th place at 2-10 and and looking at one of their worst seasons in their modern history or in their entire history, as a matter of fact. Next week, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Blues, big game for them up against the Tigers, another famous old enemy of theirs. That is Thursday evening, 7.20pm at the MCG. Essendon saddle up again on Friday evening at Marvel Stadium against St Kilda. That one at 7.50 and another big challenge for the beleaguered Bombers. All right, that was Thursday, Friday. Let's talk about Saturday. Well, I don't think uh, any of us could confidently predict this was going to be a, uh, I'll say, ball terror of a game. But it was. It was a really entertaining game of football, really enjoyable to watch. I'm talking about Fremantle's, in the end, narrow 13-point win over Hawthorne at Optus Stadium in Perth. The final scores, Fremantle 14-11-95, defeating Hawthorne 12-10-82. The goal kickers shared around among the Dockers. They won't be unhappy about that. Two each to Schultz, Walters, Banfield and Collier. Ten individual goal kickers for the Dockers, singles the rest. And for the Hawks, three to, sorry, two to Moore, two to Wingard, two to Bruce and singles the rest. They had nine individual goal kickers. Well, the tone was set in a really entertaining opening quarter. Nine goals kicked, five straight to the Hawks, 4-3 to Fremantle. Uh, The Hawks better again in the second quarter, and they had a a narrow lead going into halftime. Fremantle, though, for a third week in a row, turning on the Jets in the third quarter with six goals to two. That gave them a 14-point lead at the final change. But Hawthorne just kept hanging in there. Uh, Goal to Luke Bruce early in that last quarter uh, meant they were still a sniff, and uh, they really had to work hard to win this game. The Dockers, in the end, it was only uh, Andrew Brayshaw, and boy, is he having some sort of season, soccering a goal from five metres out which made the victory safe. Nat Fife made his long-awaited senior comeback, ended up with 21 disposals, 16 of those handballs, interestingly. And Andrew Brayshaw, just while I mention him, 37 disposals, seven tackles. Fantastic game from him. So free, I'll be happy, Rob, with the win. But I reckon Hawthorne, uh, despite the loss, 
they will be pretty happy too because they have had some uh, really honourable, everyone hates the term honourable loss. Well, here we go. They have pushed some really good opponents all year. I reckon with the exception of one, maybe two games, they have been consistently competitive. I reckon they're looking pretty good under Sam Mitchell and it's been a pretty decent coaching effort from him. Certainly need to frank with a win against one of these really good sides. Uh, I know they've done it in the past. Interestingly, um, and this is a tick for a cross against Fremantle, but a tick for Hawthorne, Fremantle conceded 61 inside 50s. That's that's a world record pace for them. That doesn't happen. And it particularly doesn't happen the way they set up at Optus Stadium. They only won one quarter. You 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 mentioned it. The third quarter, they won six to two. Um, so they won that quarter by four goals, and the other three goal, the other three game um, quarters, sorry, very very even. So the Hawks have come away with a with a very solid performance without winning the game. Two goals. Um, they really did get inside Fremantle's much uh, heralded uh, press, midfield press forward press, and they were able to get through there with their pace. Um, but the one I do want to talk to is, uh, and I raised it before, oh, hang on, there was an outs- a really extraordinary stat there, Cox, Young and Ryan for uh, Fremantle. They had 32 marks between them. Mm. Look, I know the game is played based on possession and chipping and holding it, but that's an extraordinary number to concede uh, between three players. The five situation intrigued me. Um Justin Longmuir, to me, is probably City on Coach of the Year, in my opinion. And who am I to query him? But the observation is that Fife has come back and gone straight into the centre square. I'll say this very carefully. We haven't, we haven't needed you. Slot into a position where someone's out. We've had Brayshaw. We've had Sarong. We've had Will Brodie. All right, I I just found it really not criticism because I can't criticise Longman. I found it very interesting, Rowan, that the recruit of the year um, he would be coming uh, second in their best and fairest, and uh, will probably finish in the top fifteen. I would think of the Brownlow Medal. Um, found himself on the interchange bench to make way for Fife, who hasn't played for how many? Well, you know, a couple of years. Okay, so is the thinking by Longmuir, okay, uh, not just this guy's a big name and a dual Brownlow medalist, but he will be high on adrenaline. Uh, he's an impact player. Let's use him when he's most revved up in, in the uh, pivotal part of the ground. You're looking at the short term, the the impact, get away to a good start. He may, he will be, yeah, he looked really tired at the end of the game. Uh, so they've gone that way and the other option was to ease him in, drift him in from a half forward flank, drop him down to full forward and uh, let the boys that have done the work continue to do the work. Um, I'm not saying it's a wrong, it's just an interesting observation um, and I think you've answered it pretty well. It may have been uh, the inspiration they were looking for. It may have been the impetus and the emotion that uh, Five Foot have bought. I want to talk about Hawthorne. Um, now, we've, we we were both bullish about Hawthorne pre-season, and I reckon that's been justified. Now, I said this before, they are 4-9, but the gains have been so much more than 4-9 would indicate. You know, they, narrow losses to Carlton, Melbourne, 
Collingwood and Frio. They pushed Richmond uh, 20 odd points they lost by. They were well in front of Sydney before collapsing a bit. At just the stop end of there, Ron. Have a yeah. look at the ladder positions of those teams that you've just called out. Who'd you go, Carlton? Yeah, well, that's, that's my point. Carlton yeah, fourth, it's a great Frio point. So third, they have on top, Collingwood ninth. Yeah. The so-called honourable loss is against uh, elite teams of 2022. Yeah, no, no, that's really that, can, that's exactly my point. My my other point is, and I will use our own club as a uh, measuring stick here. Have a look at the young guys in that side, the likes of Jath, the likes of Newcomb. Um, Will Day, another one. Dylan Moore. Dylan, in fact, Dylan Moore is a really good example here. Josh he, Ward. Well, let's look at Dylan Moore. Right, he came into that side. Not a lot of fanfare last year. Has continued to get better and better and better. He is now a pretty important player on that side. Jeff is a really important player on that side. Their young players have improved, if they weren't good already when they first came into the team, they've kept improving to the point they are integral parts of that side. This is one of my many criticisms of Essendon. The junior, the development of players is absolutely non-existent. No one ever goes into an Essendon side and continues to exponentially improve. In fact, if anything, have a look at the way Nick Martin started and the way he's going now. They go backwards. Anyway, that that's Essendon. But Hawthorne, their young players continue to improve. And they're really they've got some really exciting young talent there. And only a year and a half, two years ago, one of the big criticisms of Hawthorne was, are there any kids coming through? Are they any good? Well, yeah, there are plenty coming through. And yes, they're very good. And credit to not only Sam Mitchell, but the structures in place at that club to develop talent. And they are structures, Rob, that as you know, our club absolutely lacks. Yep, and they're they're doing it very well, and a number of teams are doing it this way. Um, uh, they they don't seem to fear. Uh, they do very well uh, travelling. I've got a perception they travel. They travel well. Um, this this was a really good performance, but once again, these sides they mightn't put on their best display. But the last couple of sides we've talked talked about Frio and and Carlton in in finals aspirations in in the eight, and uh, they get the job done. One, so it's uh, a, it's, it is a challenge for Hawthorne. 4-9 um, is not a spectacular win-loss, but you've just highlighted five or six of those losses that uh, that were against some very, very good teams. One sour note for Fremantle as five comes back, um, and it was quite – Sad to watch yeah. this. Uh, Blake Akers, who uh, was playing some terrific footy and was going like an absolute bomb in the third quarter when he unfortunately tore a hamstring and uh, looked like it might be quite a serious one too. And real pity, he's had a lot of injuries over the journey and uh, was really starting to find his absolute best and was in tears on the bench after he did that. So, um Fingers crossed right. that uh, the spell on the sidelines isn't as long as it looks like it might be. But another win to the Dockers and uh, their fine season continues. They are in third spot on the ladder. Ten wins, three losses. And uh, the Hawks, like we said, four and nine, but plenty of upside for them next week. 
Uh, the Dockers, well, they are one of the sides with the bye and ditto the Hawks. Okay. So time for both to freshen up next week before they get back into it in round 15. All right, that was Saturday Twilight and there was a Saturday evening game at the Gabba. Well, the Gabba, a bit of a fortress for the Lions these days, once again, as it was uh, 20-odd years ago for that uh, earlier uh, triple premiership-winning outfit under Lee Matthews. The Gabbatois, they called it then, and uh, very tough for opponents to win there now, and so it proved for St Kilda. Tried pretty hard, the Saints, and uh, hung in there, and in fact, led by a couple of goals at halftime, but... Uh, Brisbane making all the running in the second half, seven goals to three in that second half, and they ended up with a 21-point win. But for inaccuracy, probably should have been a fair bit more. Ten goals, 18, 78, the Lions defeating uh, St Kilda, 8, 9, 57. The goal kickers, three to Joe Danaher coming back from a shoulder injury. Good return for Joe Two to McCarthy, singles the rest. And for the Saints, two to Gresham, two to Max King. In fact, St Kilda's first two goals of the game struggled to get much of a look in after that, though. And the uh, other recurring theme throughout this game, Rob, was, uh, well, silly free kicks and penalties conceded at both ends of the ground, but also the injury toll. They were going down like flies in this game. Uh, Mitch Owens, concussion for St Kilda. Daniel McKenzie, concussed after hitting his head on the ground. Uh, Zach Jones tore a hamstring, leaving St Kilda in that last quarter with just two rotations on the bench and uh, things like that are always going to have an impact. And that's approved in that last quarter when, in fact, uh, the Saints could manage only seven inside 50 entries in that last quarter to Brisbane's 15. Uh, we're always going to be up against it thanks to a lack of manpower. Zorko's hammy looked reasonably serious. We'll see yeah. the consequences of that. Um, the usual suspects, pretty good for the Lions. Lockie Neal, 37 disposals. Another standout performance for him. Uh, Hugh McLuggage, pretty good for the Lions as well. 33 disposals and seven clearances. Pretty good goal in the last quarter too when they needed it. Uh, Brisbane, um, fair advantage at the clearances. And like I said, St Kilda struggling to get the ball inside 50. In the end, 41 inside 50. So the game to the Lions, 60. Those sort of discrepancies are uh, always going to tell out in the end, and thus it proved a, a good win to the Lions, Rob. It was, but, um, and we'll, you know, you can talk about them in a moment. You know, the uh, Hugh McCluggage was just sensational. He was the standout skilled player on the ground. He had uh, not only 33 possession, but seven clearance and seven inside 50. So he, he was the shining light in the difference between the two teams with his... Uh, uh, execution inside 50. <coughs> Pardon me, Ron. Um, the Saints, you, you've, I just want to go over those summaries again. It just shows you how resilient the Saints are. I was really impressed with them. We've spoken about, look, uh, Zach Jones, McKenzie and Owens aren't, aren't their top three players, but when you do, it, it really does compound. And uh, 
to only have that number of inside 50s, they didn't get blown away from the water. Uh, in the water, that's their lowest inside 50s for, for the year. The Lions scored five goals from stoppages. The Saints didn't get any. Um, uh, like Brisbane, as you said, dominated clearances 34 to 25 and marks 116 to 85. It's really hard to find a good stat other than a lot of ticker and a lot of perseverance and a lot of heart from uh, St Kilda to hang in there against what I thought was a, a um, not significant but a, a superior football team on the day and to keep Brisbane down to 10, I know it was 10, 18, so it's 28 shots to 17. Look, it could have got slightly um, out of whack uh, but good on the Saints for hanging in there and now let's see them come back. I think they've got a six-day break to Friday night. Uh, they have a dangerous Essendon on a ground that Essendon plays with pace. So this is going to be interesting, and I'm I'm, I'm not sure. We, we'll talk about it during the week. Uh, who's coming back from injury and what are their troops available? Can they bring in some fresh legs? Because that was an energy-sapping game for both teams. Yeah, pro, uh, an important win for Brisbane too, and I, I agree with you. I mean, look, far from at their best, but need to win to maintain that uh, position at the top of the ladder. Also, coming back from Perth, and, uh, you know, a tough game against Fremantle. Coming back from Perth, historically, is never easy. I think the records indicate that. No, it's a um, good win. And, and their defence has been a bit dodgy in recent games too. And I think from that point of view, it was important. I thought uh, Coleman, pretty impressive for them. Brandon Stasevich, those, uh, their capacity of both those players to intercept uh, St Kilda's attacks, I thought was pretty uh, important. So their defence sort of got ticking again after a, a bit of stop-startness. Joe Danaher back in the equation, and you you had uh, Danaher, McStay, Hipwood, and Hipwood yeah. playing together for the first time in. Well, I meant to look that up actually, but uh, those three haven't been. Well, I um, won't ask you then. Yeah, good. Thanks. Because <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, <laughs> when was the last time they played? Well, together? well that's the, that's the preferred three with Charlie Cameron, yeah, um, well, McCarthy, think, and uh, Bailey at th- ground th- level, isn't I th- it? I think Hipwood uh, did his knee about round seventeen last year, so um, it's been a fair while. And uh, yeah, look, I mean, they want to get those three big guys playing together in the same forward setup. Um, you you want to bed these things down well before you hit a final series. And, yep. um, you know, so, so that's what my point here is. It, it wasn't the, the manner of victory wasn't necessarily overly impressive, but just getting a game under the belt of Danaher, having those three play together, having the interceptors off halfback start to do their job again. You know, just getting the, the winning feeling back and a bit of momentum flowing again from that point of view, uh, pretty important win. I agree with you though on St Kilda. This is a, a more resilient St Kilda we're seeing, certainly than last year. And, um, you know, I think the St Kilda is sort of more in line with the the Saints we saw two years ago that made their first final series for whatever it was, nine years. So um, they're in an interesting spot. They are in sixth uh, spot on the ladder uh, at eight and four. Brisbane um, second on the ladder, 10 and three. What have both these sides got on the agenda next week? Well, for the Saints, as you mentioned, that Friday night game against Essendon 
at Marvel Stadium. That one is at 7.50 p.m. And Brisbane have the bye. So uh, a week oh, to wow. uh, assess how they attack the rest of the season. But they'll be attacking it with plenty of confidence given that they are second on the ladder with 10 wins and three losses in very good shape. Indeed, set for, dare I say it, uh, a fourth top four finish in a row for the Lions. Can this one pan out a bit better than the others have? Time will tell. All right, that was the Saturday agenda, and there was just the one game on the Sunday. Let's have a chat about that one. Sunday afternoon at Marvel Stadium, uh, we saw North Melbourne, the hapless North Melbourne, I'm afraid to say, in 2022, up against Greater Western Sydney. And let's be honest, the Giants hardly killing it either, already having um, undergone a change of coach, Leon Cameron having departed, Mark McVeigh, the uh, interim GWS coach. He has uh, already... I think it's fair to say, produced a more attacking, more adventurous brand of the Giants uh, than we were seeing. And uh, that's what we saw again today. Pretty enterprising out there. And in the end, a very comfortable 49-point win over the Roos. The final scores, GWS 15-12, 102, defeating North Melbourne 7-11-53. The goal kickers, three to Riccardi three to Canelio, three to Peatling. I think that's a third bag of three. The boy Peatling has kicked two to Brune. Uh, impressive game from him, Tanner Brune, and two to Green. Singles the rest for the Roos, two to Larky, two to Toddy Goldstein, and singles the rest, including LDU, who I'm sure I heard the commentary crew refer to at least three times in the afternoon as UDL. Um, bit of a Freudian slip, that one, Rob. Uh, do you reckon uh, they had their mind on other things going with UDL instead of LDU? <laughs> yeah. allowed, me, allowed me to say what I always say about UDL, which is the only time I think I've ever seen empty cans of UDL or outside Festival Hall in the lead up to a gig by the Angels or one of those other bands that uh, you used to go and see in your younger days. All right, let's talk about the game. Do yes, please. Do we have to? Uh, well, this was a, ga- a victory pretty much set up in, uh, well, if not the first quarter, the first half, 5-3 to just three behinds in the first quarter. Another five goals from the Giants in the second quarter to the Roos too. And thus, by half time. The difference already, uh, what was it, 47 points and uh, basically a holding mission from that point on, five goals each uh, in the second half. Fairly lacklustre second half. Uh, some interesting things coming out of this game. Uh, Jake Riccardi looking good up forward for the Giants. Um, Harry Himmelberg playing some terrific footy for the Giants having been moved to defence. Yeah. He's become a great... And still kicked a goal. Still yeah, got a goal. Great reader of play. He uh, he really um, has taken to that role well. And I, I did see him interviewed afterwards. He was talking about the amount of junior footy he had played in that role. So that one has proved a winner. But they just look more positive and more attacking. And 
they just appear to have a bit more, uh, what's the word, zest or vim and vigour, if you like, about their footy, don't you think? The uh, the stats were damning at quarter time. Um, there was no intensity, no vigour, um, plus 52 for disposals, plus seven in tackles, plus 27 in marks, plus 26 in uncontested balls, and plus seven... Uh, plus 10 inside 50. They were very, very lucky they were that close. They just, were non-competitive. Um, are you and, talking about North? I was talking yeah, about I, the Giants. But oh, I, sorry. I just, no, no, but just... I'm um, sorry, I, I got distracted. I'm reading, Stop there for a sec. I, I got confused. I'm reading the... the while you're doing... Sorry, mate. While you're doing this, I'm reading the, um, the press, you know, the press conference with the coach. Yeah. So I just... Wanted to try and read, get a thread of what yeah, no, David I just, Noble stuff. I just yeah. want to read out the. Sorry. You mentioned the disposals. Yeah, quarter time disposal count was GWS one hundred and seventeen, North Melbourne sixty five. If you keep that up for a whole game, that's two hundred and sixty disposals for a game. You just you got to get your hands on the footy a bit more than that. Well, exactly, and uh, that's what I was alluding to. It was a total domination. Look, the second half petered out, uh, five goals all. It's not nothing to write home about the second half. I thought GWS got got their game going a little bit. Um, but I, I want another stat I want to point out, uh, young Tanner Broon is a, a player trying to make his way. He's a very young player, and we hear about Norse young players. He had 10, he had 10 second uh, quarter disposals. Stevenson had one handball. Hugh Greenwood, one kick, one handball. Uh, Horn Francis, one kick, one handball. Kane Turner, one kick, three handballs. So four players that have played a a bit of footy except for Horn uh, Horn Francis uh, couldn't get anywhere near this young bloke that's trying to uh, make a career for himself in the midfield for the GWS. Just on just on Horn Francis too. Yeah. Uh, now he looked very frustrated, and yeah. that came to light later on with a bit of a cheap shot uh, yeah, after disposal on Josh yeah. Kelly, and I reckon he'll go for that. He's probably going to get a week at the at a minimum for that one. Yeah, North don't need that. They need continuity with these young players. Listen, the other thing I want to bring up too, and I talked about this before. You mentioned it in another game. But the hitouts, the hitouts in this game were 60 to North. The Giants, just 13 hitouts. They were going with, I think, Zach Sproul, a part-time uh, yeah. pinch hitter in the ruck. But it proved entirely justified not taking up that spot with another ruckman because the clearance count was 34-32. The centre clearance count was 12-8. So the Giants had basically broken even at the stoppages despite being absolutely belted at the hitouts. Now, I'm, I'm always baffled by this. Does this mean that the uh, Todd Goldstein, the North Ruckman, are incapable of directing their taps to their own midfielders? Are the Giants midfielders better at uh, uh, pilfering the, the, or, or, or uh, roving to North's winning Ruckman? Either way, it's not a big uh, vote of confidence in, in the need to have a, a winning Ruckman at the hitouts because GWS have been absolutely belted for hitouts and yet still won the game by close to 50 points and broken even for stoppage takeaways. Yeah. It's very interesting. We spoke about the other game that went that way. Um, it's a very, very good midfield, though. Um, it Caniglio, is. Caniglio, Kelly, 
Uh, Noble thinks that uh, Kane Turner did a good job on Kelly, but on Triple uh, Triple uh, M, the very experienced Grand Final coach Ross Ross Lyon, I had the I was listening and said you got to drop the tag. It's not working. So mm. I'm a little bit confused. I know messages from coaches can be extremely uh, positive, but um, uh, when when one senior coach says you got to drop that tag, it's not working. Kelly had 27 something like 30 possessions at that stage. Now uh, North. It's a pit. one of the problems for North, I reckon, is it's the usual suspects all the time. Now, Luke Davies, Uniac, um, he, he has arrived and he is a consistently good player for them now and was again today, 33 disposals. Jai Simkin, week in, week out, he's good for North and he was again today as well, 32 disposals. But they just don't have enough contributors across the board, do they? And you mentioned some of those low disposal Counts. So, I mean, in fact, I'm just having a look at their their uh, stats on it now. <coughs> Nine guys of those yeah. who took the field with single figure disposals. Nine Bre- half the team. Yeah. Greenwood eight, Horn Francis eight, Turner eight, Young eight, Larky seven, Powell seven, Walker six, Zebel six, Stevenson five. You can't. Wow. You you just can't win games of football. And there's a fair bit of experience in there too, Ron. There is. There is. You know? What does that indicate, Rob? Are these guys that aren't really convinced at the direction they're being given from their uh, coach? It's got to be part of it. It has to be part of it. A start like that has to be part of that. If if, if you're on a journey, you've got to bring people with you and you've got to convince them that this is the journey. Let's all weigh in. There's a huge discrepancy between the number uh, of uh, emotional commitment to this journey and who's buying in and who's not. And, and that's the issue the North Melbourne people have got at this stage. And it's very, very clear um, watching the North po- and listening to North people on, on social media and that. And, and we know social media can be highly emotive, but um, uh, they're very concerned with, with experienced players not buying in and, and, and leading the way of this young team. They're going to get a few back next week. They'll get Zohar back. They'll get uh, Mackay back. So there's a few to come back in the side that'll help. Well, it's all hands on deck, that's for sure. They are 17th on the ladder, uh, 1 and 12. Uh, GWS hardly flying, but they are at least 13th with 4 and 8. Uh, quick question without notice to you. If they continue to play like that and winning more than they lose, uh, do you give Mark McVeigh any chance of inheriting that job permanently? No, I give him a chance of being interviewed for the job. But not getting it? No. Okay. Right. They should go through. Well, therefore, the, you're saying he has a chance of getting it. If, he's, if you give him a chance of being interviewed. Yes, he's a chance to get the job. Okay, yeah. Uh, based on um, uh, based on his interview. And, I, I understand and that, what you're saying, which is he's going to at least get an interview, which means – Theoretically, no, I, I, what I'm saying, he won't be. Oh, here yeah, I, go, I know. I'm, I'm, uh, it won't, he won't. He won't get the. Um, he won't yeah. get the succession Ben Rutten plan. No, he won't. He'll have to go through a significant process to win that job. Yeah, correct. Yeah, you're saying you, you think he'll get an interview. You doubt he'll get the job. I'm saying at least he'll get an interview. And theoretically, if you get an interview, you have to be. No, the I didn't say getting, I doubt he'll get hang the on, job. Don't quote on. me that. You asked me, will he get the job? I said, no, he'll get, no. 
you've got to come back. To get the job, you have to go through a process. I believe you'll be part, a significant part of their coaching process. After that, I would have no idea. Yeah, no, I understand that's what you're saying. Good. Just yep. hear me out here. Work with me. Oh, what no. I'm saying I, is, I, I'm, yeah. What I'm saying is, yeah. you are saying here, well, we get an interview. Now, in a in a normal world, um, if you're getting an interview, that means therefore you are some chance of getting the job. And my punchline here was going to be, unless of course it's the Essendon senior coaching role, in which case you get an interview. Oh, okay. Whilst right they've on. already appointed already someone else. In. Yeah. Okay. So if they interview five, he's uh, he's a twenty percent chance to get it. There yeah. you go. Anyways, <laughs> I, I think we both agree he's furthering his uh, coaching credentials. I, I, I eagerly wait. This wasn't a contest, um, despite you know. Noble saying that after quarter time they only beat us. But I don't know what that means. They only beat us by three goals. Well, don't, don't present those figures in the first quarter. North have done this numerous times. I'd, I'd really like to have the stat where they haven't presented themselves in the first quarter and gone into quarter time at least in a phase um, where, where they can launch into a second quarter in the game. Mm. Statistically and on the scoreboard, uh, they're already gone already yeah, yeah. with a lack of energy and a lack of approach and a lack of competitiveness. That's yeah. on the. I'm sorry. That's that's part of the role of the coach. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think uh, we're seeing they're not the only ones. I think we're seeing a lot of games this year where the game is effectively over by half time, and then the second half is just sort of you know. A, a lot of a, yes. a holding mission, and it doesn't make for great footy, let me tell you. All right, let's wrap well, it up I, there. Uh, North Melbourne, uh, they have the bye next week uh, to lick their wounds and hopefully in, uh, organise some sort of more competitive finish to this season. Uh, GWS, uh, big game for them Saturday evening at Giant Stadium. They play the Western Bulldogs, that one. I'll answer your question a little bit more succinctly after GWS play the Western Bulldogs. I'm really keen on to watch McVeigh's coaching um, in this game. Okay. We'll uh, we'll await with interest. If you wouldn't mind. Thank you, All right. One game left in round 12, and that, of course, is the big Queen's Birthday Monday, big freeze between Collingwood and Melbourne, and we will have a full wrap-up of that game in our midweek episode uh, coming out on Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. Uh, But that's it, basically, for this Wrap-up of round 13. Thank you, as always, to Palmerbet, our official podcast partners. Get tackle-busting benefits all this AFL season. Thanks to Palmerbet. Always remember to gamble responsibly. You can be a supporter of the Footyology podcast at the ACAST supporter platform, wherever you listen to our podcast, or you can become a Footyology patron via the many links to Patreon, a wonderful supporter of independent media and publishing links all over the Footyology website, footyology.com.au. Thanks for your time again, Rob. We will uh, reconvene here next Wednesday. Thanks, Ron. Good man. Thank you.